Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash Serlin. Hello and welcome to Serlin on Game Design, episode six, Now Playing, where we discuss what we are playing right now. And I am joined by Aphotix. How's it going today, guys? And Mr. G Phantom. Hey, how's it going? Great. So let's talk about the games that we are playing. Actually, I thought we would start with reacting to the Street Fighter V trailer. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I have one thought. Uh, go play the new Guilty Gear instead. <laughs> yes, I think, uh, I think it's an excellent thought. Well, what did you think, yeah. Mr. G? I, w- I, was ast- I was astonished how samey it looks. It looks like 4, but with better graphics. The way the characters fall and are juggled, it looks the same. Now I know I know the game's alpha build, but I mean, when you went from two to three, it was a pretty big change, right? I don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple thoughts. So one is that uh, we are seeing that game in the world where we know about Guilty Gear Exerd and have seen footage of it and have the demo, and it's coming out. It's it'll probably be out by the time people hear this recording. And it's like night and day. I mean, that, uh, Guilty Gear X art just looks incredible. It's like the best, uh, the best looking art I've ever seen of a 3D game looking 2D. So when you see that next to Street Fighter V trailer, the, it's just extra disappointing <laughs> to see Street Fighter V. But then the other thing is, if you go back in history a little bit, Street Fighter IV was not actually made by Capcom. It was made by a company called Dimps that made some wrestling games. Mm-hmm. And then they made Street Fighter IV with <clears throat> ugly looking character models and a bunch of like weird design decisions like uh, FADC, which is basically a bootleg bad badly designed Roman cancel from Guilty Gear that has too many inputs to do what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. The jump arcs are all weird. Like throws are weak, have startup <laughs> yeah. time, tech for zero damage, a bunch of options selects everywhere. Mm-hmm. One frame links. When you get hit out of the air, you fall in a weird floaty way that looks bad. There's just so many problems with this Street Fighter four game. And now Street Fighter five, it looks like, I mean, it's the same, it's the same model. So it's gotta be dimps again. It's it's like a, is it just a marketing thing? I wonder where after AE and AE twenty twelve and Super and Ultra and all these words they're adding on. Someone said let's not add on words. Let's just call it five now. Is that what's happening? Well, it looks I, I, like another version of Street Fighter Four. So probably. Yeah, it's like it's like what Eve did a few years back when they just kind of upgraded all their graphics. But it's not like they called it Eve two. They just called it. Eve with better graphics. So if you just told me Street Fighter Five is coming out and that's the only thing I knew, I would say, wow, that's really exciting. Like I'm totally into it and I I want it to be good and I want to play it. But seeing that it's probably going to have all the problems of Street Fighter Four, I imagine. I mean, I don't know that to be true, but that's certainly what we would think by looking at the trailer because it looks like the same engine. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was really disappointed. I don't really have any more to add to that. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that visually that really stood out to me is that at least in Street Fighter 4, they try to do some kind of cartoony look. I mean, I thought it looked bad, so don't get me wrong. I think it looks bad. But they try to do some cartoony stuff to make it still have a 2D-ish look. But this one, it really feels like we fucked. We couldn't do that last time. We're so bad at it that 
forget it. We're going to ban it. It looks 3D. It's a very 3D game, but, you know, gameplay's 2D. You know, when it, when it zoomed in on, like, the characters' faces of Chun-Li and Ryu, uh-huh. I thought the, they actually looked pretty good. Like, I don't know. The, I thought it looked a lot better than before. But then well, when it, yeah, when it zooms out and you see the the actual fighting pose, like, it looks like exactly the same animation data of how they idle and how they jump and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which totally. is, that's disappointing that so much is probably going to be the same. Right, but maybe we can right. just move on to other games we've been playing. I thought sure. I'd tell, tell you uh, a couple. So I got a Wii U, exciting Wii U. And Enjoying the brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, exciting Wii U. So uh, the Mario game, there's a couple ones. There's a 2D one and a 3D one. So I've been playing the 3D Super Mario World. Uh, Super Mario World 3D is what it's called, I guess. Co-op with my girlfriend and it is so good. Like, oh my gosh. I heard people say that it's maybe the best Mario game. Uh, so the mechanics are solid. The graphics are so good. Like the, the art style is like breathtaking. <laughs> I mean, does it, yeah, I don't even know where to begin. I could gush about how, how good the art is. But mm-hmm. the co-op thing that I really like is this thing where one player can press like a, what is it? Left trigger, I think. And, encapsulate themselves in a bubble. Do you guys know about that? I actually know nothing about the co-op of that game. Yeah, I, I have never played it or really heard much about it. So I think these Mario games like struggle with the co-op, especially in 2D, because there's just not enough room for everybody and you're always screwing each other over accidentally. But in this 3D environment, there's enough room for everyone to run around. And if they get too far away and the camera zooms out and it's kind of fine. And if they get really too far away from each other, then one of them automatically will get turned into a bubble and float back like to the first person. Uh, And then, you know, you can keep playing from there. But the the feature I was talking about just a second ago was not automatic. It's a player initiated thing. So anytime you want, you can press the trigger and then a great looking shimmering iridescent bubble is around your character and and you're floating and you will follow the other person. Or I guess it supports up to four players, but I've only played it as two players. So you can follow them around that way and not actually play. (laughs) But anytime you want, you can jump out of that bubble. And uh, also your partner can knock you out of the bubble if they feel like it. But the reason that's so interesting is that these platform games, they, they have like a strange history where they're sort of about dexterity challenges, but they're sort of Mm -hmm. not. They're about, um, they're about finding secrets. And so if the game is about finding secrets, does it really matter if one person is a little worse at dexterity? Like, aren't you kind of on a detective hunt together? Like, that's what it feels like. And so it's making it easier for someone who is bad at the dexterity stuff. If there's one part that's like kind of hard to do the jumps, just turn into a bubble and let the other person do it. Who cares? And then, but then together you can still look for all the secrets. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really great mechanic. It's, yeah. That, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I, I remember, you know, so the first part of the, the thing about coming back to the, the first person, whoever's in the lead, like, that's that's like an old mechanic. So, but this is like a nice evolution, right? Like, yeah. this, like, oh, you know, casual people who've never played a video game might play this with someone who has, and we should, like, accommodate that in a smart way. Yeah, they totally did accommodate that. And I think yeah. there is some reason to not be in the bubble. Like, if, if your partner's in the bubble and then you die... I think you go back to the, the previous checkpoint, whereas if they had mm. been a real character, you know, they would continue right, from right. there. But whatever. It's really good. Okay. So the, yeah, so the totally. other game I played is Smash. 
Smash Four. Mm-hmm. I played that with you, in fact. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I also have a Wii U with Smash Four, so I'm very familiar. <laughs> okay, we've all mm-hmm. we've all played it. Um, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I have good and bad things to say. So let, let me ask you guys first. So my opener is just I had fun. I mean, I had yeah, fun I had playing fun. it. I had fun too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever played a Smash game where I didn't have. Yeah, fun. I agree with that. So they're doing something right. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, okay, I have a bunch of criticisms. So, okay, the easiest thing is the menu system to criticize. Oh my oh god. god, it's got to be. Oh it's, wow. I nominate it for worst <laughs> menus I've ever seen. In yeah, a game. I agree. It's, I agree. I actually gave right. Mr. G here a test of can he find training mode, and he <laughs> failed and could not find it. I couldn't find I still, it either. I still, I still haven't found training mode, by the way. Okay, that's nothing compared to setting your buttons. Do you know about trying to change your controls <laughs> in this game? Uh, so I, I haven't bothered trying to, but I remember you explaining it, and I almost cried. Okay, I'm going to explain oh it again. So you go to, let's say you start the game, you start fighting and then you pause it and you want to change your buttons. Well, you can't do that as far as I know. If you can, I don't know of any way to access it. <laughs> but let's say you were in the middle of the game. You pause it. You're like, oh, I can't change my controls. So I'll quit out. Oh, wait, quitting out is like this four button crazy thing. Why, why isn't it? Why can't I quit out in a normal way of every other game I've ever played? Like there's a smash only way to quit out involving four simultaneous button presses. Okay, fine. So now you find the control area of the menus. Then you can set your controls in the uh, the bad way, you know, like. Right. We have to scroll through each possible option. Uh, yeah. Button. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just going to let that go at this point because uh, it's, yeah, Cause <clears throat> the the bad way is much worse for a fighting game where you're going to be playing with a variety of different controllers, like joysticks, mm-hmm. layouts. Right. But they kind of know what you're oh, playing yeah. it with here. So it's, that's not, there, there's worse things to to nitpick than that all right anyway you set your buttons mm-hmm. there's a very nice thing where you can test them and it instantly puts your character in a test environment it puts mario who no matter who you want to be it puts mario in a test environment where you can see what the buttons do that's good uh the defaults for the buttons are totally crazy to me it make no sense at all like the bottom middle button is your special attack but shouldn't it be jump or something jump is like normally the bottom middle button at the very least, it should be your normal attack. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking about these defaults. I, also, the the right trigger where your finger would naturally go isn't block. Look, what? Why isn't it? It is in the previous Smash, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's throw in this, but it used to be block. I think. <clears throat> yeah, Photix. Uh, I I haven't played any of the older Smashes in long enough to remember. Yeah. All right, I, but I can totally confirm. Yes, the triggers on the GameCube controller uses yeah, oh, yeah that's right. yeah, that's yeah. where block and then is. The, the little Z yeah. button used to be thrown. Okay, right? well, yeah, whatever. Right. So I'm gonna now start to blow your mind. So you set your controls. You go to the test environment. It's exactly what you want. Great, done. Exit out. Now you go into the game and you don't have your controls. It is, so if if that's what you do, you will still have the default controls. Aphotix, do you know mm. what you have to do? to activate I, I, those controls. They are by default not. not activated. I do not know. <laughs> Isn't that great that they're not activated by default? Uh, so <sighs> what, you, what you have to do, it, okay, let's say you were playing a one-player mode. Okay, they also would be not activated. In a one-player mode, you'd click on your name, like it says player one, and you click on that, and it brings up a menu where it you had to name your controller config like Serlin or whatever. 
Uh, and so you pick it out of that menu. And when you, by the way, when you enter the name of that controller config, you enter it on a like old style cell phone thing, like with JKL right. on one <laughs> button, but no right. other text entry anywhere in the Wii U uses that. Only naming your controller config in Smash uses that. So you pick that on your menu, then you go in the game and it is the controls you set. Now, if you leave that mode and go into any other mode, it will go back to the default of not using your controls. Every single time you go into any mode, you have to do that. Now, let's say you want to go into a multiplayer mode, like the normal smash thing that you would want to play. If you click on your name there, then it changes you to CPU or whatever. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't bring up a menu to activate your controls. So then you're like, oh, th does it just know to use the right ones? No, it doesn't. So what you have to do in that mode is you click underneath the your name, like it'll say player one or something. So you don't click that. You click in the zone underneath, which is not marked, just like a red area or whatever, if you're the red player. And then it brings up the menu. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's bad. Now let me move on to other complaints. I think this, this tilt system man. and this short hop is so frustrating to me. They, what they want to have is light, medium, and heavy attack, but put it all right. on one button. And that is not, right. I mean, that sounds simple if I told you, oh, there's just one regular attack button, but it isn't actually simple. It's very finicky and frustrating. It's very hard to use. Yeah, it's it's really hard to mm -hmm. use. So um, there's that. And then a similar issue is the jump versus short hop where you got to you press the button normally or press it for a very brief amount of time. And you want to do that brief press a lot, like depending right, on yeah, what. It's like better usually. Yeah, it depends, you know, it depends on what character you're playing, but, but often it's like really good and you need to do it a lot to rush down and it's really finicky and difficult to do. And so I've heard people say, Oh yeah, but that's just how you get good at smash. Yeah, I guess. But that it's, it's, it's just shouldn't be like that. Test. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a lame skill to test. <laughs> I really just want another jump button. And I want light, medium, heavy, or something. Well, I mean, there is an extra button to jump with, though. So I don't, I don't even get it. Yeah, like, that's also there's, true. There's an X and a Y. Why, why don't they do different things? Yeah, and then you can you can use up <laughs> to jump to, in theory, right. make it simpler because now you don't even need a jump button. But then you can't oh, actually right. do that because now you yeah, can't right, up right. tilt right. like right. yeah, or it's hard. Yeah. Up tilting is uh, I hate up tilting in general. I don't like tilting in general. So up tilt is not hard if you disable the jump. Sure. Yeah, sure. it's super easy then. <laughs> yeah, it's but, it's easier than the left or right tilt because those right. overlap attack so so much. Uh, I uh, one more thing. I'm also just frustrated at movement in that game. It's it's like I'm just skating and floating everywhere all the time. Like I want to just move slightly to the side to maybe pick up an item, but I can like I have to run way past it or right. right. I just don't have very precise control of my character, and there's all this sliding momentum stuff. Right. Also, it's very jarring to me how every like or not everyone, but a lot of characters like ultra super duper fast on the ground and then like um, like incredibly floaty in the air. Mm -hmm. it, it just feels really wrong. It's like so if I'm on the ground, I'm like super duper fast and can run across the stage in like two seconds. But if I'm in the air, I'm like super slow and vulnerable and it just feels bad. Oh, here's a good thing that I like is in this new smash, they changed the way edge hogging works, which completely right. blew my mind. I did not expect this. I did not expect them to change that. Uh, but in the previous smash, so you 
knock the opponent to the side, hit him a couple times, and now they're off the stage and they're trying to recover. And so you can jump on the ledge and hang there, and that will prevent them from recovering. So you don't really need to do that much damage to get a kill because mm-hmm. you can just prevent them from getting back to the stage. And the new version of Smash, in that same situation, if you are trying to, to prevent them from getting on, actually they can get on and they knock you off. <laughs> yep, they just steal the ledge from you automatically. Yeah. yeah, so I really like that because it becomes more about fighting and less about uh, edge denying. Mm-hmm. That's, there's still a lot of chasing. Yeah, but so that's that's a plus. But then I'm also frustrated that e- even with that change that I like, there's still there's so much about chasing people off the edge, and I really just want more fighting. So I mean, I guess it's, that's just saying Smash isn't for me. I just want to f- actually fight instead of float around way off the stage. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I have really mixed feelings because like it's fun, but it's also just very frustrating and I have a lot of complaints. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm in the same camp as you. Like I can't ever see myself I, I, playing I remember, competitively, but I still enjoy it. I mean, the mind games are fun and like, you know, it, like I remember playing against my roommate and if I'm like hanging off the ledge, am I going to come up with like the ledge attack, which is like very invulnerable, but if he blocks it, it's very unsafe. I remember doing it five times in a row. He blocked it the first four times, but then I knew he wasn't going to expect it the fifth time and I got him. So mm-hmm. that was very satisfying. How unsafe is that actually? It's brutally unsafe. Generally. Like what? What can you? Um, if you if you have a pretty fast smash, you could smash. Otherwise, some kind of like. Oh really? You, could, you can oh, actually oh, you yeah. can actually block and smash those. Oh back? yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, you can throw. That's like the one of the fastest right. things you can do, right? right. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to complain about those pro controllers for my hands because I can't use those things. Really? That's what I use, actually. I, I didn't. I, the only thing I didn't like about it was where the right analog stick is feels kind of weird to me because you want to use that for the f- doing smash attacks quickly. But mm-hmm. it, it's like, do you? I, I don't. I feel like I can do the smash attacks pretty easily just in general. Uh, I agree that you can do them pretty easily. But I mean, it's it's just better because, I mean, you can just factually do it faster with the yeah. stick. I mean, like. Yeah, so, it's just so, more percent. You have a zero percent chance of ever messing up the execution. Yeah, so if you I just I, flick the stick. Yeah, I totally compared agree. To, compared to what though? Compared- manually inputting it with the direction and the A button, where you could fail and like get a dashing attack or something. Okay. Yeah, I I, I actually I I don't like where the right analog is either because because I so I have small hands. The viewers can't see this, but or the listeners can't see this, but I have small hands. And whenever I try to use that pro control, I'm overextending my thumb to try to reach like the the X and B button. And so after the first time I played it with Serlin, my my not only my hand, but like my entire arm was just like dead. Right. Because I just overextended the entire time and the entire and after playing it, I'm just like, I just wish the D pad and the and the face buttons were switched, you know, to how a xbox 360 is right how the 360 has uh the buttons on the far right side and then the analog in the middle right yeah i know what you're saying you're saying that the buttons are farther away from the right edge on the wii u controller than they are on other controllers and you have trouble reaching i didn't have trouble reaching my hands are bigger yeah yeah i think they're totally fine for people with big hands but for for me, man, it was just it was like rough. I couldn't I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know about that I, th- th- point a second ago about smashing with the right stick. I think I would. I did not do that, and I didn't want to do that. I think I would miss that a lot more. 
because I'm moving my thumb from the home area to some other foreign area. It's like I'd be fumbling around that way. I never do it either. I I always do forward A or whatever direction A. But, I mean, it's fine that they have that option. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, one other well, thing just uh, that reinforces, like, on top of the ledge guarding being nerfed, also uh, downward aerials are pretty much universally nerfed across the board, and those were famous in, like, Melee, for example, for spiking people off the, like, you know, while we're off the stage down into the mm-hmm. the death zone at very low oh, percentages. Man. So those are all, like, nerfed too. Like, some of them are so nerfed that you don't even use them anymore. So that also reinforces more fighting and less uh, instant killing. Yeah, that that sounds good. It's funny that I guess the ultimate progression of what I would want is can we just put some walls on the edge? Even though when <laughs> PlayStation All-Stars did that, at the time I was like, oh, that sounds stupid because this is the whole point of this style of game to knock people off stages. But when I actually play it more, I go, well, maybe it is, but I sort of wish it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was um, what I was going to say was the about the meteor the meteor attacks right they're called meteor attacks i think yeah where you, you spike them straight down into the pit yeah mm-hmm. so 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 when we played uh recently with uh zem it was me you and yeah another our, a friend zem uh i landed that meteor like more times than i usually ever do <laughs> in that game and then i was re- i remember being like why didn't it kill you right so i guess I was well, yeah, so that kind of confirms it that they are nerfed because it would actually it used to always just instantly kill if you're off the stage. Uh, well, let's move on to another game unless anyone had more to say about Smash. No, I think everything I want to talk about. Yeah. I guess the only thing I want to say about Smash is to totally agree with that interface. It's it's bonkers. Like I and I thought Capcom's Street Fighter or a lot of their games interfaces were bad, right? Like this this takes it to a whole new level. Like they should get like an award for it. <laughs> yeah. How bad it is. Right. Terrible menus and dear Nintendo, please give me a way to do tilts and short hops. That is as easy as possible. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I would, if I was a consultant and I like had never heard of smash and they just showed me this game they're working on, I would say that it's unshippable that way. I'd say you cannot ship a game <laughs> where you barely press a button to jump and you barely move an analog stick to do an attack. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's horrible. You can't do that. Oh yeah. And now it's this huge mm-hmm. popular game that people mm-hmm. just put up with it. I think they just really love the characters and kind of get in, get into it and will forgive any problem. Well, also, it's got the first mover advantage, right? Like, there was no game like that beforehand, so... Yeah, right. It has a huge following for that reason. Also, also uh, remember, the game's a casual fighting game, so it shouldn't be taken seriously. So, why are you complaining about? <laughs> nice. Well, as yeah. fun as it is, I really look forward to Guilty Gear Exert. So, uh, yes. Mr. G, Phantom, why don't you tell us about whatever you've been playing? I think you mentioned some new game. Yeah, I was playing Transistor. Uh, it's from Super Super Giant Games. I think that's the company's name. And they made Bastion, uh, mm-hmm. the really beautiful isometric, you know, RPG fighting thing. I actually never played that. I have that game. I never played it yet. But I saw I, the art uh, for Transistor. It looks really beautiful from what I saw. Yeah. So I, I've actually I've kn- I've known about Transistor for a while, and uh, I was like, I- I'll, I'd like to play that game because beautiful art usually tricks me into playing a lot of games uh and some of them are good luckily um and i would put transistor in the good section but anyways uh 
I was on the App Store. I, they were selling it for half price. I'm like, okay, better buy it and play it. Um, it's really cool. The art is just as beautiful as the screenshots will tell you. Uh, it looks really great in movement. The only the only complaint I guess I would have to say is that uh, it's pretty repetitive in terms of in terms of the types of enemies you fight. What type of game is it? I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, I, I actually know nothing about this game, so maybe you can give oh. me a brief description. I will do that. Okay, so it's an isometric, uh, it's an isometric kind of uh, adventure game. Uh, it's, I guess you can compare it to uh, Zelda game or something like that. Or, I kind of want to say Diablo to an extent, but it's not a good comparison. So I guess Zelda, or like something an old like school that. Zelda. Uh, I guess I guess like an old school Zelda, maybe, but with a lot less like secret caverns and stuff, mm. and a lot more straightforward linear gameplay. Not to say that there's no secrets, but most of the secrets are kind of little plot things, and they're not like new levels that you can explore. It's a very linear game. Uh, the whoever the people who made the game have a very, very, a very direct story they want to tell, and they don't want the player to kind of mess with that, which is fine. I'm actually generally uh, a fan because, of that. Yeah, which is totally fine because they do it really well uh, because of the art and the music and the sound effects. Um, Anyways, you play this character and you're trying to get away from this city that's gone totally nuts. And there's this like, like cyberpunk thing going on about how everybody's a program or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm actually not even done with the game, really. But that's the general idea. I'm sure I'm butchering it. I'm sure someone who's listening to this will be like, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, and the way combat works is uh, you have all these abilities. So, I mean, you could... You can, you know, shoot certain, you know, different kinds of attacks at them. But their key, their key gameplay mechanic is the ability to like pause time and uh, input like uh, X amount of moves, and each move uses a certain amount of space you can use, and then do it all at once. What really? Uh, mm-hmm. Why didn't you open with so, this? That sounds like the most interesting part. <laughs> Because because I ain't write it down, I'm just doing a stream of conf- uh, conscience thing. So that's so you can that's, pause that's, time and then input a bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. and then what? And there was a resource cost or something. Yeah, there re- there's a resource cost on how much you can put in amount of time, mm-hmm. right? So the time you know it's like okay, I'll dash, I'll do this explosive attack, I'll dash again, and then I'll do another thing, and then once you filled it out, you you activate it and she does all the moves. Uh, the reason why you want to use this gameplay element, because the way uh, enemies attack is basically they attack you in pretty big mobs that it's kind of impossible to fight on their, on your own, like without this ability, especially since most of your attacks are like have obscene amount of startup. So because it takes a long time to like do an attack, someone could hit you from whatever angle. So you want to use this ability to hit everyone and, you can use it pretty often, but after you use it, you have to wait for it to recharge, and so that's a couple seconds, so you're kind of maybe running around, right? The The meter that you use, uh, the ability is called turn, which is kind of like a fun little RPG thing. It's like, oh, it's now it's your turn to do things, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's that part. And the other interesting part is how abilities work, in that as you get more abilities, you can actually mix and match them. So... There's one ability that on its own basically shoots a cluster bomb, right? 
But what you can do is you can take that ability and put it in a subset of another ability. So say another ability shoots a big, big arrow forward, right? And it shoots this big, powerful arrow. Well, you can take the cluster bomb and make it like, make it it's like sub, uh, like sub ability. And so now instead of a straight arrow, it shoots three arrows. Yeah, that sounds like Materia right? in Final Fantasy VII. Right. Oh, right, right. So it's like that. And then uh, those abilities also work in these other slots called passive slots. So say I'll, I'll, I'll use the, the uh, cluster thing ability. If you move that into, the, into a passive slot... What that will do is it'll actually, it's more of a defensive thing. Now it'll like create clones of you so the enemy will get distracted. And so, and so they don't have to make a bunch of different gear. They could just give you all these abilities and they serve multiple purposes. And so there's a lot of fun in experimenting of mix and matching things and, and seeing what works best. Well, it sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I recommend checking out. I I just scratched the very surface. There's there's a lot going on. I just I can't go on for it forever. So support for this podcast comes from patrons like you at patreon.com slash Serlin. You can become a patron and support the development of more finely tuned Serlin games as well as more content on this podcast. And if you do, you get access to a sneak peek at art that's in development and playtest materials for upcoming games. You also get access to a special second podcast where you can hear behind the scenes of how we actually solve design problems. That's patreon.com slash Serlin. So the only game that I feel like talking about at this point is what I believe to be the best competitive game you can play right now, at least on that's hit the world stage of popularity, which is Counter-Strike Global Offensive. So are you guys familiar with Counter-Strike at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, I used to play those at the online cafes back in the 2000s. Ooh, very exciting. <laughs> so just briefly for anyone that doesn't know, uh, Counter-Strike is a militaristic-style first-person shooter game. Typically in a competitive setting, it's played five versus five. Uh, there's a lot of design decisions that increases the drama of the game and makes it one of the most exciting spectator games possible. Firstly, there is a bunch of variants in the game due to the amount of incomplete information you have about your opponents. There are a number of different spots you could camp while you are the defending team. So there's always going to be different mix-ups of, is he standing in location A, B, or C? So, you know, are we going to use our grenades to try to force them out of one spot or try to smoke grenade off another spot and try to sneak in? So there's a lot of things with that. Also, there is a lot of local imbalances with slippery slope within a given round or over the course of a few rounds. And one way is due to the fact that there are no respawns during a round. So each team has five players, and if you die, you are out till the next round. Meaning that one team is going to be building an advantage over the other during the course of a round, which can lead to really dramatic situations where a team makes a really big comeback, and that's super exciting to watch. And also, due to the, the length of rounds, it doesn't really create much of a lame duck situation, usually. Although, it, it can get a tiny bit slow, I would say, in the case where one player is left on the other team and all five players are still alive, and then the one guy tries to run and hide to save his weapon. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, so that that's all, those things lend themselves to be making very dramatic rounds. Another thing that gives another focal point over the course of many rounds is the game has a money system. 
So rather than most FPSs like, say, Call of Duty, I guess not most, but some FPSs like Call of Duty where you just pick your loadout and then you spawn with that loadout or Halo or Quake or something where you start out with basically nothing and you have to find guns. In Counter-Strike, you buy guns at the beginning of each round um, and you get money through getting kills or completing objectives and then also winning uh, or losing the round will get you more money for winning, less for losing. And what that allows is for certain guns to be intentionally overpowered, but the cost of them makes them balanced because there's a high risk along with the high reward of using them. In addition to that, it also means that there are going to be times where one team is really low on money and has weaker guns, which allows for more variation and tension within that round. Also, the the design does a pretty good job of making it where if we have $1,000 worth of gear and you have $6,000 worth of gear, we can still actually win. We're at a significant disadvantage, you know, which is justified. Otherwise, you know, the money system would be kind of trivial. But it's it's not so much where we go, oh, well, this is just a throwaway round and who cares what happens. So that, that also increases the excitement and uh, just gives another thing for spectators to focus on that adds tension to the game. Uh, let me give a general opinion. Then I had a question about the money system, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'll give a little bit of a dissent and say uh, I don't like aiming in games. I don't like that as a skill. So there's no way I could possibly call this like the greatest competitive game for me even sure. though it is for you. And second, uh, you said that it was maybe the best spectator game. I think that fighting games being on one screen have a really big advantage and that RTS games, which can't fit on one screen, uh, still are much easier to follow than any kind of first-person shooter. When I try to follow watching a first-person shooter and the camera's popping all over the map, I just have a lot of difficulty with that that I don't have watching StarCraft. Actually, I like StarCraft as a spectator sport more than any other game. But that's kind of beside the point. Let's get back to Counter-Strike. Sure, sure. So the, uh, so the, actually, oh, I ahead. guess to address uh, to address your concern about the aiming. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, this is a game where the primary skill involved is your dexterity and ability to aim. Um, that's due to uh, another, I think, really good design decision, uh, even though it does put a heavy emphasis on your ability to aim. Mm-hmm. It's that... Players can die extremely quickly and they have very low mobility. So if you are a talented aimer, you could take out their whole team by yourself in about one second. That's like (laughs) theoretically possible and actually happens. (laughs) So I'm like the only or one of only two people on Earth who really, really like the competitive mercenaries mode in Resident Evil 5, which I played with a guy named Blyson all the time. And in that mode uh, or in that game, mobility is very low. And you can't move and shoot at the same time. So it's even lower than any first person shooter you know about. But I found that made it kind of like it reminded me of ST fighting games or something like the old man's fighting game rather than the super fast (laughs) Twitch fighting game, because it was more about deciding when to shoot, when to run. And the aiming part was really de-emphasized when your targets are generally going to be standing still at the wrong time because they made a bad decision. Right, right. You know, as opposed yeah, to like think, the, the opposite would be like Unreal Tournament where people are just like flying right. across the screen and you can never hit them unless you have amazing right. aim. Right. Yeah. The, the, the difference, mm-hmm. it actually works out to require a similar amount of dexterity in Counter-Strike versus Quake because the difference between the two is that in Counter-Strike, everyone has very, very low mobility. But on the flip side, guns are very hard to use well. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of skill in order to kill anyone at all. Like if you're if I just hand you the game, you've never played it before. 
and I'm playing versus you, I will beat you 100 out of 100 times. You will never beat me. It just won't happen. Um, at least if I'm giving you the like the the expert weapons. I mean, there are some weaker weapons that are a little bit easier to use, and you know maybe you could get something out of those. But at the high you know the higher levels of play, using the most expert guns, you just have no chance. Okay, so Whereas, the, the oh, go ahead. I was going to ask about the money system, but oh, sure, yeah, just to finish the thought. Uh, so then, in versus in a game like Quake or Unreal Tournament, everyone is super fast, and to counterbalance that, guns are extremely, usually perfectly accurate. So it actually mm. takes a similar amount of skill to aim, but in the one case, it's because the gun is hard to aim. In the other case, it's because the targets are hard to hit. I thought I thought Quake Arena Three was all about rocket jumps. <laughs> At least what I played. Well, yes, that's, that's certainly a big part of Quake. So you're saying in Counter-Strike, the dexterity is more because the gun is difficult to use. Right. Yeah. Uh, so a long time ago, before I had ever played Counter-Strike, I thought, well, it has the snowballing money system. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, if I win, I get more money, and now I can win more. Like, this can't be right. There's going to be something I'm missing. So then I played it, and uh, here's my, here was my theory. Now tell me if I was wrong. Uh, I found that it was way less snowbally than I imagined it would be. And I thought that a lot of that actually had to do with the MP5 because it, it, the MP5 is like a fairly low cost gun that mm. is still good enough to win. Like, I guess right. what I'm okay, saying so, is that, is yeah, that I, I get what you're saying. There's an econ- uh, economic option that's pretty close to the real thing. Mm hmm. Right. Uh, so, well, first thing in uh, the new version of the game, there is no MP5. It's no longer it no longer exists. Mm. Uh, however, they replaced it with an even stronger and cheaper option. There is now an auto pistol called the CZ75, which it only has twelve a twelve bullet clip and only one extra clip, so you only get two clips with twelve bullets. But it only costs five hundred, and at close range, is one of the strongest weapons in the game. Actually, so if your team is low on money, it's still legitimate to use that weapon and oh yeah you should totally use that weapon but the thing is that might actually sound stupid and some people believe the gun is overpowered i i actually might agree that it needs a little bit of toning down because you know the game actually does get patched and balanced still Mm -hmm. it's not like you know usually when people think of counter-strike they think of a game that's just you know left to do its thing for years and years and years but this one still is uh, undergoing updates but the thing about the that gun that makes it Still not unreasonable, like it doesn't void the whole money system entirely because at long range, you know, having so few bullets means that it's going to be very hard to to have any sort of advantage and actually win a firefight at long range. So you really have to get them in up close situations for it to be like even. So, you know, it just adds a different dynamic uh, where you're always trying to get these up close fights and they're always trying to keep their distance from you. So it uh, rather than being genuinely even it just you have to try to play to your strengths to make it more even but in general the other thing that keeps money in check and makes it not too snowbally is that the cap on how much money you can possibly spend is not oh, that high yes i was also going to mention that as the other thing on, on the high end it's like if you had if you get tons of money it's like there's a limit to how much you can really right. punish the other team with that right exactly like in most cases even if a team has $10,000, like let's say each player on that team has $10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, unless you like using the op sniper rifle, which costs uh, just under 5000 if you don't like using that gun and normally you only want one or two on your team at most, everyone else is using a rifle that costs about 3000 
So you're not using most of that money you've gained over the opponent. I mean, yeah, there's more grenades you can buy. More like grenades, that, but, right? Yeah. But but even again, those are like two to three hundred each. So even in that case, it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, usually, what ends up happening is that teams will fall into a cycle where if they run out of money, they will just either say they'll buy nothing at all. And, and those rounds are very hard to win or they'll buy that auto pistol, which, you know, they have a real chance of winning in that case. Um, and then, you know, let's say they lose again, then they might have to do the same for one more round and then they'll buy up a full amount of gear again. So like if you gain, if you like bankrupt your opponent, you kind of have a big advantage for two rounds, assuming you don't lose them. And then, it, and then they get another chance to, you know, actually win a, a fair fight. Oh, I kind of missed something there. So after two rounds, they're going to have enough money. Two rounds of not buying much of anything will okay, get then. them back to enough yeah. for full equipment. Yeah, it seems like overall, this is a really difficult thing to tune to have any kind of money system that isn't snowball-y, but they pretty much did it. Right. Oh, and another thing they added in this game, which I don't believe existed in the older versions, which is that uh, if you're losing many rounds in a row, you start getting a loss bonus. Like, Let's say you start out, I don't actually remember the specific numbers, but let's say when you lose the round, everyone on your team gets 1,000. If you lose five rounds in a row, that increases to 1,500, and then six rounds, and then it's 2,000, et cetera, et cetera. So eventually, if you lost like 10 rounds in a row, which would be a tragic disaster, then you would actually <laughs> have enough money to just buy a full amount of gear every round. Right, and you better win now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like they keep it in check in a, in a, in a, in a real way. Yeah, they do. So um, capping, the, capping yeah, the high right. end and keeping a, a pretty viable option on the low end of money. Right. That's critical. And then adding uh, an extra comeback mechanism if you're continually losing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's good because in a game like Call of Duty, what you end up with is like one, maybe two, maybe three weapons that are ever used competitively because you just pick whatever gun you want. So you just pick the best one. And maybe, you know, there's a couple situations or or like a couple situations where you want to use a sniper rifle instead of your automatic rifle. Um, or maybe two guns are close enough where you can pick your preference. But in most cases, there's just one gun to use. And that's just what everyone uses. And that's really boring in a game where like there's... 30 something guns and no one uses any of them. So that's not true if there's a money system because right. your favorite gun might cost more than you can afford right now. And right. so you better be able exactly. to use a cheaper gun. Right. So it, can I, can I pay money for an unfair advantage? Oh yeah. That's, uh, that's uh, one of the, one of the Great reasons question. I, yeah, that is a good question. So one of the reasons I hold this game in such high regard is that there is no possible way to gain a material advantage over anyone else ever under any circumstance. So it's fair. It's a legit fair competition, right? But Great. but what if what if I log a bunch of hours in? Do, yeah, do don't I you get deserve to things? have a better gun if you played yeah, a lot don't. of hours? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should get the golden gun from uh, Golden Eye that one shots everybody. Oh, that'd be that'd be awesome. But what if you have a lot of money? I mean, shouldn't yeah. you just be able? Oh, to Oh well, win? actually, no. If you're you're in really good shape if you have a lot of money because you could spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on really shiny and cool weapon skins. <laughs> and then everyone's going to think you're a badass because your guns are way cooler than theirs. Well, good. I hope some right, people do right, right. that and support the developer. Right. Mm -hmm. And they do. And I do. Right. My guns are awesome. Right. Like my right. AK-47 has a Jaguar on it and I named it Dago the Beast. That's D-A-Y-G-O, <laughs> comma the Beast. It's a, nice. Like a bootleg nice. version. 
right. of Daigo. Yeah. Right. Daigo. It's not quite Daigo level, but it's close. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's be real here, you know. Uh, a real question. Is this game is this game a retail game or is it like free to play and they uh, make money is, off the skins? It is, okay, so the I can explain the business model. So there's the skins, which um, basically is the most unfair nonsense ever to get the skins, but it's all cosmetics, so who cares? It's fine. Like yeah, there's yeah, crates yeah. and randomization and there's rarities within rarities within rarities. But that's right. all fine. You, you don't even have to know anything about that to play the game. It's just totally irrelevant. Yeah, um, yeah. The other ways they make money is the game itself. Uh, it costs $15 asterisk because it goes on sale for like $3 sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they do these little like season passes where there will be a set of community maps that are released every, let's say, four or five months. And you can buy a pass not to access the maps. Everyone has access to those. But to get missions to do on those maps where you'll get skins as rewards or you get little collectibles, like you'll get a little icon you can put next to your name mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and things okay. like that. So more cool. like vanity items. And also, you know, you're going to get skins from these missions. So like you're investing money in order to maybe get a drop worth a lot more money. And, and then once those maps go, like they rotate out, then if a couple of them were really popular, really good, then Counter-Strike, you know, the, the Valve team that works on it will actually add those to the permanent map pool and the rest right. will just go away forever. Okay. So they cool. put a lot of development yeah. effort in all these skins, it sounds like? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. Like, oh, that's the big oh, moneymaker? Sure. Yeah. And also, um, they have this whole system called the, the Workshop where people can design skins themselves and then uh, try to submit them. Like, basically, they have to try to get a lot of upvotes from the community and then Valve might right. notice it and then put it in. That's and a Valve-wide thing, not just for Counter-Strike. Right, right. Yeah, that's true yeah. for like Dota and stuff like that also. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it turns out it's actually very, very lucrative. Uh, it, they released a statement saying that in general, people that get their skins approved make on average $40,000 in royalties. Wow. So wow, if you make really? one skin that gets approved by Valve and put in the game, you're making on average $40,000. Oh, wait, didn't you say different things there? Because the second statement was if you got one skin approved, but the first statement was that anyone who got skins approved, which maybe they had 100 skins approved or something. Oh, well, there's only been about 70 of these approved ever, and I don't know that oh. anyone has ever gotten to approved. Oh, so it really is Valve, like... Valve makes some skins themselves, too. So Right, right, okay. Oh, okay. So, like, so some of them are from the community, some of them are from Valve. So, skins so are huge. That's the bottom line. Skins make right. lots of money. Yeah. Right. right. I mean, some skins, like the the most rare ones, and I'm, I'm not actually joking, can sell for the upwards of 600 or 700 real dollars. Do you find that it like, ruins the aesthetic of the game like it did for oh, Team that's Fortress a, that's 2? That's a good question. So, um, for some people, like, for example, uh, one pl- uh, one person you know, uh, Flak Maniac, I was playing with him, and he found some of the guns to be very silly looking. Um, one thing about them is they never change the model of the gun, only just the paint job of the gun. So there's never like you, there's never really a case where you don't know what gun you were getting shot by. Um, as far as ruining the aesthetic in terms of like being jarring to look at versus the the general look of the game, it's borderline. Uh, in some cases, the guns, you know, I mean, there's some some jokey looking things you can do with the guns that maybe for some people would be an issue. For me, I just find it like to be fine and are we just talking about guns here or like whole outfits oh no no there's there's you cannot change your player model whatsoever at all. Like, like you know those outfits in street fighter 4 like that crazy oh, blanca oh, thing oh, where, blanca. where the blanca wings take up like the whole screen and he yeah, spins so, around so, and right when he blanca balls and you shut off your xbox yeah I know right yeah so it's yeah. not like that no 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 you can't change your you can't change anything that would be relevant to any opponent 
Yeah, because you're supposed to be able to see, oh, that's a counter-terrorist or that's a terrorist. Right, and right. It, it, you couldn't even do that anymore if everybody was wearing like a bunny costume and <laughs> whatever else. Right. Yeah, totally. Right, yeah, it's just guns. And really the only person that like technically... Yeah, Mr. G can... wants to play that version. Right. Dude, I would love to play bunnies versus pirates. Yeah, versus Transformers right. and right, who knows right. what's what. Right, yeah, but technically your opponents can see your gun skin like while you're holding the gun, but it's like 0.0001% relevant. And really the only person the skin's for is you or anyone spectating. Mm, I see. I'm surprised how minimal that is. It's like, I mean, a skin for a whole character in Dota or something just sounds more exciting than a skin for just a weapon, and yet the weapons are making so much money. Well, actually, in Dota, there really aren't complete skins, like... You, you buy, like, pieces of gear, which, like, would be, like, a piece of Diablo gear, except they're just aesthetic and have no stats. Mm-hmm. So you can get sets of them, but you have to get each piece individually, and you could mix and match random sets of gear. Uh, right. right. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is that you could conceivably create an outfit out of that. Oh, sure, sure. Whereas and, and actually, I, I find that to be worse than what Counter-Strike does, because then there is a case where you go, actually, I really don't know what character that is, because I'm new at the game. And you have some weirdo-looking thing going on. Right. It may very well be worse. The only statement I was making there is that I was just surprised how small the visual impact of a gun is compared to the amount of money it can make. I guess it's just that if you really like a game, if a game is really good and engaging to you, then you are willing to buy whatever thing in it. Yeah. Especially when that thing is collectible and can be resold. So it's like, you know, it's an investment in people's minds. Right. (laughs) <laughs> is that really a, like a big factor? I, I mean, I'd say so. I mean, that's how people I, think of like Magic the Gathering. Cards, I mean, right? sure. Of, of course, that is a thing. But not you know, knowing the Counter-Strike market, I would imagine that it's mostly I just want to customize my guy unless I want to buy and sell weapon skins or something. I mean, you know, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of that to really know the answer. Mm. Mm, interesting. Well, is there any more Counter-Strike you want to tell us before we wrap up? Um, I guess the only other thing that I didn't quite touch on was, um, you know, when I was speaking of in the beginning when I introduced the game and talking about the dramatic tension of the game. For a game that requires so much dexterity, there's also a lot more mind games going on than you might expect due to the fact that from round to round, you could be in different spots. You can configure your team differently. You can use a different configuration of guns. There's a lot of times where you can overcome a dexterity disadvantage by tricking your opponents and outsmarting them strategically. So that actually adds a lot to the game for someone like me, who's actually not that good at aiming, where I have helped my team more with the worst aim than maybe the guy with the best aim on my team has helped the team. Because you're you're saying like uh, you see that a certain enemy team member is hiding in this place this round and that place in that round and you kind of see a pattern you kind of know where they're going to be that sort of thing. sure yes yeah, that sort of thing or, or like hey um th- like just like things like that like noticing flaws in the way they're they're playing their defense or offense where i go hey um they tend to play one guy in this bomb site and four guys in this bomb site and then if we kill the one guy in that bomb site, they all sprint over to the other one. So we're going to try to kill that guy. <laughs> we're going to kill the one guy. And then rather than run into the bomb site, we're actually going to run the other way. And then once they all run over to the, uh, the bomb site where we killed the guy, we're going to go the other one now. And then we're going to take that one over <clears throat> instead. 
Right. And that's such a weird move that then the next round, they don't even know what's coming. Right. That, yeah. Then you just mentally mm-hmm. broke their, their guard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Te- real team play. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's re- pretty much everything. Requires cool. tons of teamwork, right? Like, in- oh, like definitely. Incredibly oh, yeah. Coordination is huge. Yeah. Coordination is huge, especially when you factor in things like flashbang grenades, where you want to have a teammate throw a flashbang grenade from a certain angle and then the other guy come out of the opposite corner, like right after the flashbang goes off to to catch people while they're, you know, in a vulnerable state and blind. Yeah. Timing. Right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of timing and coordination and teams. I've never been good at these team games. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of my personal curse where yeah. I, I, I wish I didn't have to rely on teammates, but I always end up liking team games more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I end up playing yeah. them and then. Hating my team. I don't know. I just, I always like. Uh, I oh, always oh actually, sorry to cut you off, but one final point about it that is actually worth mentioning is it does not use parts of the machine design at all, meaning that you uh, actually yes. hate your teammates much less in this game than you would in, say, Team Fortress 2, where if your medic is bad and he's the only guy capable of healing and now you have no uber charge, that's a yeah. huge blow to your team. But in this game, if my guy who's standing next to me is bad, then okay, it's just a little harder for us to win, but. No, nothing else is I could just take a spot and that's fine yeah not even if he's right. bad just like if your teammate is guarding the bomb site and then he gets killed then you could guard the bomb site like right. it's mm-hmm. not like he had some special thing that you can't do right yeah. and you can even pick up his gun when he dies so whatever he yeah. had you could yeah. also <laughs> right right maybe the maybe he he big he paid too much for his gun and he's the worst player and you can get it right. yeah, I yeah started, and, and, I started yeah, to mention that there's like a, a lot of teamwork uh, and this is really what I was getting at that of course any game has any team game has teamwork, but by not having this parts of machine design, it actually has more, I think, because you really do need to be so adaptable to cover whatever, whatever change is happening on your team right. with wh- whoever died, you should reconfigure right. to mm-hmm. take over their spots or, or if, if that's smart in the moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It makes, yeah. Oh, and I guess one <clears throat> tiny point, uh, the map design. Maps are, they tend to be concise. Uh, there, there's a lot of fluff on the outside of maps usually, but in terms of where action actually takes place, the maps aren't too big. They're not very sprawling in general, which is nice because in a game like Call of Duty, there's like tons of windows everywhere and a bunch of like spots that are mostly useless, but you could kind of use them. And it's like, why do they even have to exist? Or a game like Battlefield, where the maps are just so absurdly way too big that it's the whole the whole game's a joke, um, <laughs> like that that kind of thing doesn't really exist, which is which but, is great. But those games are realistic, <laughs> right? Yeah, you they can sure realistically are. take forever to get anywhere. Realistic, right. like in, in real life, if you wanted I, to cross a giant field, you would jump in the plane instead of running. I, right? Yeah, I've always I've always hated that when people use that. It's like. It, the game's realistic, so it's like fine, but it's uh, it's hard to explain to them when something is just bad gameplay, right? Right. It just doesn't work. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for sharing that about Counter Strike and uh, what was the game? What was the name of the game you told us about, Mister G? Tra- oh, Transistor. Transistor, great. And then yes. I talked about check it out, Smash and Super Mario 3D World. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we when we all play XR, we'll we'll have what well, we can talk about that. Yep, looking forward to Guilty Gear. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and we need arcade sticks. Yes. Are, donate arcade sticks. <laughs> we need arcade sticks. Donate <laughs> me a PS4 also with Guilty Gear. Thank you. <laughs>
Yes, definitely. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Mm -hmm.